Hello, welcome back to the Otto Culture Podcast. This week, it's a slightly different angle because we've got none other than Will, a local PT from Swindon, and Joss on the podcast. Hello, I'm hosting with Dan this week. Yeah, he's a really great person. I really enjoyed this podcast. I think the, the listeners and the viewers are going to enjoy it too. We speak about a real range of topics. Yeah, we do. So Will is a PT now, but he started off being a bodybuilder. He started his own gym, and then he moved into being a close protection bodyguard. So he's had a really interesting journey. He told us about stories about car chases through Cyprus mm. to looking after Arabian royalty in London when they come over. So um, it's a really good one. I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to it back myself. Um, and we also talk about you know, his mental health, his journey with his own mental health from a kind of a, an abusive relationship point of view to where he is now you know, as a PT and approaching people in public. So um, yeah, it's a really great podcast. I think you're going to enjoy it. And uh, yeah, let us know what you think in the comments below. We got none other than um, I, all, all we really know is your name's first name's Will, but but your Instagram is Fox. Yeah, that's all you need to know. That's, he stays low no, key. Like, there we go. I like that. <laughs> we got the lovely Will on from uh, local PT from Nuffield Health, um, a friend of ours now through through the matter of Nuffield Health. It's really great to have you here, um, and this obviously falls in inside of our month campaign of November which we are, we're kind of pre-recording these. We're going to release, release them throughout November. So as you can see, we've not really got a moustache yet. yet. Joss is going to shave that whole beard at some point. It's all going to go. My girlfriend's not happy. No. <laughs> Neither am I, really. Not. So my first question is, have you ever had a moustache? Just a moustache? No. You haven't? No. Has it been something I've, you've I've, liked? I've, I've had just a little. Yeah? I, d I don't want to. When, when I grew it, they called it a certain thing, but I'm not allowed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but your old goatees or goatees without the moustache, but never just a... Never just never a moustache. Never just a magnum. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so could you first of all introduce who you are, what you are, what you are, who you are, where you are? Oh my God. Um, what I'm, you're into. I'm Will, um, PT at Nuffield, like you've just said. Um, they're going to carry me out of there in my box, hopefully. Um, <laughs> it's my, my last job ever. Uh, uh and where am I? I'm in Swindon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Swindon. Not born and bred. Um, product of everywhere in the country, really. Um, but yeah, ended up here when my brother and I were about 15, 16 in Sirencester mm -hmm. and kind of like made it our home from then on. Went off and did other things, but always came back here. Nice. So yeah, been with Nuffield for four years now. So uh, yeah, so I'm kind of like in, in the woodwork in there as well now. Pretty nice to nice. land, though, when you came to Swindon, you ended up in Sirencester. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty yeah. nice place to land. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. What yeah. were you doing in Sirencester? Um, well, um, long story short, my parents broke up. We were living in Kent. Mm -hmm. My parents divorced. Um, we, we moved to Cheshire, where my mum moved with her new husband, and my younger sister, and my, my twin brother. And uh, then uh, we... Like most 15-year-old teenage boys, didn't get on with the new alpha male in the house. So <laughs> much to our our constant regret now. Um, but yeah, so then we decided to move down with dad because dad was cool. He had some money and that was great. And we could just do what we wanted. Started sixth form college down down in Siren. Mm -hmm. um, uh, met girls and stuff. And that's it, really. Nice. You spoke a bit about just before we came on that you, you and your brother started a gym. Yeah, that was that was around about when was that? Around about year, around about two thousand something. No, maybe nineteen ninety nine, nineteen ninety eight. Uh, before all the Globo gyms started up, all the twenty four hour, sixteen ninety nine a month gyms started up. So in Siren, there was only uh, two gyms in Siren, the Sports Centre, mm -hmm. and one other gym, and they were like 
um, at that time, you know, thirty pound a month, something like that. A lot of people couldn't afford that kind of that kind of out, outlay each month, um, and uh, we we rented some space off the local youth centre. Uh, beg, borrowed, and stole a load of kit, put it into a room, and um, set up our own little place. Nice. So pay as you go, two pound fifty a time, and uh, we opened it in the evenings and at weekends. We both have full time jobs. Um, but we got down there in the evenings and weekends. We could afford the rent on our own, so it was a, f a nice place to um, train, other than my brother's garage. Uh, so, um, so it was a nice environment for us to train in, even if no one came. Yeah. Uh, but people did come, and it was quite nice. We called it Grunter's Garage. Grunter's Garage. Yeah. So, did you start doing PT sessions then and training other people, or was that mainly just a, a place to to host other people? Yeah. Back back then. Um, you didn't really even need a PT qualification to be a PT. Oh, right. You could just go, you know, I, I can squat so I can show you how to squat. Um, yeah. You didn't even need to have, we looked into the legislation, you didn't, for a commercial gym, you didn't even need to have somebody on the premises who was qualified. All you needed was um, educational posters on the wall. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we bought a bunch of educational posters, stuck them up on the wall, like this is a deadlift, this is a squat, this yeah. is a dumbbell fly, this... Um, and uh, and uh, so so we we didn't always have to be there. So we had a couple of trusted guys we gave keys to, and they would they would come in. Um, but we we were there more often than not. We were always there training. So so it was good. But yeah, we didn't need to have the qualifications. But somehow, when we first started lifting weights when we were thirteen, we kind of um, learned from the right people. I think um, so we. And there was no internet, there was no YouTube, no podcasts, no nothing. So um, it was all bodybuilding magazines and all of that back then. Um, so we just learned ourselves. We were kind of like self-taught, really, with that. Uh, but fortunately, I think we kind of learned in the right way because um, no one really got injured much, yeah. <laughs> apart from us, <laughs> Lift, <laughs> lifting too much. <laughs> and your and we, and we said about as well just before we came on about your kind of journey you you were playing rugby for a long time and then you started doing bodybuilding yeah yeah uh, was bodybuilding in Siren Sister or was that Swindon based home based no bodybuilding I started bodybuilding um when when we were really young we were about 15 16 yeah um, and uh I got into a um thought oh, I could I could do a competition we had a bunch of kit at home when when we were kids we had we spent all our money on on weights and drums and guitars and stuff so we, we had this room full of all kinds of stuff so um we, we we did that we had our first first weightlifting bench and weight set it was one of these plastic ones you know plastic discs filled with sand yeah you know that kind of thing yeah. um and that was in our bedroom when we were 13 so um yeah so i i wanted to i i thought i could i could do that i could get up on stage and do that and me underway you know but it was really weird because I'm really, really shy person. Naturally, I'm a really shy person, but somehow, uh, and I still can't figure it out what, how or why, I thought that would be a good idea to get up on stage on my own mm -hmm. in my underwear and pose. Um, so, so yeah, so my brother and I trained together. He's always, he's always been a bit more girthy than me um, and um, holds a, bit, a little bit more weight than I do, although we're twins. Um, so he was always into the powerlifting and stuff. So he entered his first powerlifting competition and I entered my first bodybuilding competition and both of us just complete, completely failed. It's rubbish. But we, we, we entered what we thought would be a good idea under 21s at the time. 
but um, we didn't realize how many under 21 year olds shaved and had um, like with six foot three and um, were just complete monsters. So we both really bombed out on those. Um, then I, I, I won a couple of little competitions on the South Coast and went up towards Manchester, did a couple of competitions up there. Um, never really placed anywhere, never really did anything, but it was it was fun. Do you, do you remember, because I think it's, it is interesting, especially when you go for events and when you put yourself outside of your comfort zone. I remember doing a triathlon once and rocking up to that with probably the worst bike there having a really old pair of running trainers and having a wetsuit that was actually pretty good somehow winged that but when i remember turning up to this triathlon and feeling so out of place feeling like i've literally got the shittest bike here i don't belong here but i'm going to give it a go anyway and mm. there's somebody like the nerves inside you i guess it's probably it's probably a good thing that you've got that nerve because it makes you want to drive harder and win mm. better do you remember how you felt on that day when you kind of rocked up to your event or being in a situation like that where you weren't necessarily comfortable yeah i remember um, my last competition i was the actually I, I know this sounds really weird but i was the biggest one there mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um um but i was the but there was there was guys that were just like completely string beans but they'd obviously been coached by professionals at the time and they'd they'd really dialed in their conditioning and they were ripped to the bone um, they didn't have much muscle on them because they were so young at the time we you know it was, it was under 21s so mm -hmm you're not you're not mature at that time so so but i have i have a lot more muscle on me and obviously a lot stronger and, and, and bigger not not height wise because i'm not bigger than anybody <laughs> height wise i come from the shire <laughs> so um so yeah so so i remember thinking geez these guys are tiny these are tiny i didn't place in that competition because it's all about condition right obviously it's not about size and all that I, I didn't place in that competition and I was really disappointed and upset that I didn't I remember that but I remember thinking how small these other guys were and thinking geez you know I've either done something really really bad wrong <laughs> or I'm gonna do fantastic fortunately unfortunately it was the former but yeah and what about your brother did he carry on doing um he he, his, his he carried on doing a little bit of powerlifting but then he got more into his rugby he played for Siren Sester for a long long time um not not in the first like maybe seconds thirds yeah he got some nerve damage in his shoulder and then stopped really cut down his playing then his two boys um played and they've they they're, they're big now um they're they're like in their 20s but they they played for a long long time for siren sester so he's had quite a good relationship with siren sester rugby club my brother in that respect he coached as well mm. after he played so, nice nice yeah but he's always strong i mean if i mean he, he oh jeez weirdo he um his his son, his younger son, actually makes Atlas stones oh, right. for, for for strong men and wow. that. And um, he's made Atlas stones for some really quite quite famous people's gyms, you know, in the strongman world. Uh, and my brother, he'll he'll be driving along and he'll see a big lump of rock on the side of the road and just park up and see if he can lift it, you know, and just and then put his camera there and go right. I'm going <laughs> to see if I can lift this. I wonder how heavy this is. And you just kind of like tries to pick the damn <laughs> what a job out. yeah Just the atlas stone maker but, yeah 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 so that's my nephew brendan he does that but my, yeah my brother just picks up things off the side of the road <laughs> the, heavy, blood, the heavier the better yeah. but then he he lives a dream because he's a professional drummer and wow. he's in two bands and that's all he does now nice wow. so yeah, yeah nice what a life i know <laughs> ridiculous um so you've so it's, it's quite funny i guess like from those early days of starting a gym or working within a gym and you've now obviously transitioned to that right now and you're now training yeah. other people and yeah i mean that the variety of people that you must train must be so wide um 
Yeah, I mean, there's handsome young devils like yourselves. Wow. That, um, I'd like to get my hands on <laughs> in a professional way, of course. Um, <laughs> but no, for, the thing with Nuffield is that it's um, the, the, the kind of like the membership dynamic is more geared towards older people as well. Yeah. And because I'm an older person as well, then um, I get a lot of older women mm-hmm. who, who f- a lot of the time they want to just have an hour of chatting. Yeah. Really and maybe sit on a piece of equipment do a few reps and stuff but it is the full full spectrum of people i I, i've got younger people i had a guy um a a client for a while who was um he's he was a stunt man and he's done game of thrones and peaky blinders and all of this he was killian murphy's um double when he was horse riding wow so so the back of killian murphy's head if he's riding off on a horse was this guy that i trained (laughs) no way so yeah um (laughs) He was a Dothraki horse lord in the yeah. first Game of Thrones, wow. you know. So, so these, you know, it's, it's, that was that That's was cool. interesting. That's and really he was cool. like, "I need a stronger core." I'm like, "Yeah, you do, don't you? You're <laughs> riding horses, yeah." yeah. So, yeah. so we, so, so we did stuff like that. But that was, that's fun, um, and yeah, um, middle aged guys like myself who who want to get in shape. Um, there, there's a, I have a lot of actually, I have quite a few middle aged kind of thirties and forties year old women. Who want to get in a squat rack, yeah, and and just want to get strong. Have you mm. seen the transition, or like a lot of? Uh, it's been a lot of movement of females feeling well, not feeling, but females actually moving more into the weights area. Because I guess yeah. forever yeah. the the weights, the dumbbells area has always been a male feels yeah. like a male dominated area. I don't know yeah. if that's right to say, but it probably has it been is. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now whenever you go to the there's there's a mixture of people there, mm. which is great to see. It is. It's brilliant. Yeah. Why do you think that transition's been? How's that happened? Um, I don't, I think. Like obviously nowadays social media yeah. can be can can be the root cause of a lot of different um uh, uh behavior changes yeah, and, and sure. changes in society, obviously, because it's so easy to get hold of these things. You know, you could there could be somebody in Kazakhstan who's who's lifting, but without social media we'd never know that they're yeah. doing that, you know, and then all of a sudden he's plastered all over our devices or she and and we're we're like oh we'll have a go at that that's a good idea yeah yeah you know? um so so i think there's a lot of things that are a lot easier to get hold of in that respect and and women see that and mm. and for for you know talking about these cliche type you know empowerment for that i don't want to talk talk down about it or anything like that but you know i think women are feeling more that they they why shouldn't women get in there and and do it you know it isn't Um, and we do get i do get a lot of people come in for program designs and things um and say well uh, is there anything you you've you fancy having a go at you know is there something that you would like to do you know i'd like to do a pull-up i'd like to do a press-up um i I, i've always fancied squatting but it's so intimidating with the big men in there you know Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. like right come on then yeah let's go follow me let's go and do it and um yeah, and we've had—I mean, not just myself, but but the other t- the, the other guys in the team—and I think PTs generally have, I think, have found great um, success and positivity in the in 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 a lot of females coming in and and doing that sort of thing mm-hmm. as well. I don't know, like in answer to your question, Dan, I don't know why there's more pe- more females nowadays wanting to do it, but I think it's good. Yeah, I think it's yeah. good. I, I, but I do, I do think it's just like that ac- access to, well, if she's doing it, I can do it, mm. you know. Mm. That's pretty good. Well, I guess it's, um, yeah, like you say, it's definitely social media. It's also brand awareness, isn't it? Like, you know, Gymshark and these brands are all, oh, wow. they're creating yeah. Yeah. brand ambassadors who are mm. 
you know, females, you've got the lady who works with um, Gymshark who's in a wheelchair and stuff like that. So like, yeah. they're really kind of diversifying who they're looking after and who's on their team, which is, yeah, which is really nice to see. As Did you work in gyms before? Have you worked in the gym on like a gym floor like that before? Because my question is, is it quite hard? I, can, I couldn't imagine nothing harder than coming out of, well, learning to become a PT, moving into a gym floor. Because you're freelance, I guess you and you have to then go out and get clients, right? Yeah. So as a shy person like yourself, like you say, did you find yeah. it hard going up to people and being convincing them or becoming a salesperson yeah. essentially? Yeah, I'm I'm the world's worst salesperson, I think, anyway. But um, I did do um, some freelance work for a while before I got the job at Nuffield, um, and uh, I was absolutely rubbish at it. Terrible. I was awful. Um, I, I won't name the gym, but it was a gym in Swindon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the um, I was told to to um, uh, hire myself out at a certain rate mm-hmm. um, by 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 the management in that gym, and uh, and they're like, you you know, you you're worth it. You've got the knowledge. You can do that. Great, brilliant. And then um, so so I was doing that, and I wasn't picking up clients, and I wasn't sure why. And um, then I found out why. It was because the the very same people that were telling me to to hire myself out at x amount yeah were then seeing who i was talking to undercutting and then going to talk to those people and saying how much was will charging Gee, i'll yeah. do that amount wow that's um, not nice no and the supposedly most successful pt in there was hitting land something like 60 deliveries a week um so that's you know 60 hour set you know 60 hour weeks um and but wow. the reason he was so successful is he was charging himself out a, a tenner an hour uh, and right, that's uh, completely right. just, I mean, that that's so like devaluing the, the whole the, market. The, the whole market, yeah. 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 We yeah. find that the same in but, film oh, and yeah. photography, you know. Massively. Mm. You know, if we're charging X amount and then someone is completely undercutting it, it yeah. kind of brings the whole value of the craft down, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I used massively. to I used to be in the security industry um, and used to run our own business. In the, um, my best friend and I used to have our own little business in, in that. And when we were, we were, you know, obviously, you know, going for jobs and stuff mm. we'd say right you need a 10-man team it's going to cost you this amount uh, but um, everything's going to be covered blah, blah blah oh that's great that's really really good and then another company will come along and say yeah we'll do that we'll do a five-man team and we'll do it for x amount mm-hmm. and we're like oh brilliant thanks yeah, yeah. and we're like oh lost that again Damn. but yeah it's it is it's in every every walk of life every business oh, yeah. you're going to get that bodyguarding then <laughs> let's go into that okay what where was your intro into this um, Were you on the doors first, or yeah. is that is that yeah, a lot? Yeah. Of, is that the route for a lot of people into? Um, I think it might be. I don't know really. Yeah, maybe. Um, my brother and I. Um, I remember I was I was twenty two, mm-hmm. twenty two, and um, just need, wanted needed some pocket money. And my brother said, "Well, I'm doing a door at a local club. Come, come, and I'll introduce you to the team." Um, and yeah, and, and just just went, you know just turned into you know Saturday night for a bit of pocket money. Mm. Um, and then it just turned into every Friday, Saturday. Um, there was there was a club in Sirencester that um, used to have because they got the Aggie College. We call it the Aggie College, the Royal yeah. Agricultural University, as it is now. And they used to have a couple of nights where they did the the ag- agricultural students. They were the only ones in there. And my brother used to love doing that night because he just didn't like agricultural students. <laughs> so he used to, <laughs> there was two of them. They, they had, they, there was two of them on, on the team, my brother and another guy that just didn't like agricultural students. So they would just justifiably throw them down the stairs on a, <laughs> on a Wednesday evening. But I mean, if you know agricultural students, 
they some some Can't of them blame did him. deserve yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Somerset is lovely apart from that bit. Yeah. So what was the step after that? Okay, so the step after that was yeah, um uh my my uh then wife and I um had a litter of children um and realized we couldn't afford them. <laughs> so so we were looking for I was doing uh, I, I was working in another job then. Um uh realized that I was doing all the overtime I could. Still couldn't make ends meet. She was working. We had three little girls under 5 years old and it was like what what are we going to do? My 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 best mate um lost touch with him. Um he come kind of came back on the scene, just met him just out of the blue. Bumped into him. I said, you know, what are you up to? Oh, I've, I'm I'm now I'm bodyguarded. He was always mm. in security. He we, we did doors together. He went off and joined the police. Lost touch with him, and then now now he, he was a full time bodyguard. Um, and he said, well, you know, you just you you get out of it what you put into it. You know, if you're prepared to work, mm. the, the rewards are there. Um, feast or famine, blah blah blah. Uh, so uh, the, the 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 industry I was in at the time, the 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 place I was working at the time was. Um, offering voluntary redundancies. I'd been there about eight years. I, I had a fairly decent package that I could take. And my, my, my ex-wife and I talked about it and it was really a no-brainer. So I, I did that. Um, everybody at the factory said, you'll be back in, you'll be back within six months. You're not gonna do that. You're not gonna do bodyguarding, don't be mm -hmm. stupid. Um, including my brother. <laughs> and, uh, cause he was there as well. We worked together there. Um, and, uh, so so I went, I took my redundancy, got onto a course. <laughs> 15 days later, I was a fully qualified bodyguard. Wow. wow. So, yeah, it's just, it's, it's that easy. It's that easy yeah. with the security industry authority. Um, you can have a piece of paper or a little card that says that you're a fully, qual fully qualified bodyguard with, uh, and, and you, you can get jobs just the same as somebody with 30 years experience. It's just ridiculous. Wow. But, um, but I was trained by the right people, um, had a good, Good, good bit of training. Uh, like two days before I finished the course, the uh, director of the course came in and said, we've got a job coming up. Um, you, can you be in Heathrow uh, on this date and meet this this client? I'm like, uh, okay. And then, uh, so, so I packed my bag, went off, and uh, three months later, I came back home. Wow. So, it was, wow. so that was, it was as quick as that. But then for about four months, I had nothing. <laughs> but... But you, because I didn't realize you constantly have to be on the lookout for more work. You constantly right. have to be putting yourself in that. And that's what kind of, I realized, right, I can't be that shy retiring will that I have been for X amount of years. Mm. I, I have to actually put my face in the frame now and I have to actually sell myself and do something. Otherwise, my kids are going to starve. Now, when you're working, it's great. You know, the money's rolling in. Yeah, there's lots. You know, there's lots of money. I was on a lot of money when I was on good jobs, but I was away from home a lot, and and I missed a lot of my little ones growing up. Um, but um, it was it was a lot of fun doing the job. It was a lot of fun doing the job, but it was the main factor why we divorced because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, it's a it's a single man's job. But um, I mean, what I did and what I experienced taught me a lot about myself, um, and now I don't get intimidated by anybody from coming from such a a shy, anxious, worrying little child to where I am now. I could talk to anybody now. <laughs> um, I'm still that shy, anxious little child inside. I, I still have to like, um, 
if I see a full, even even at work now, if I see a full diary, I'm like, oh God, I've got to talk to somebody and I don't know them. Yeah. You know, um, but but I know I can. You know, I've, I've, I've got the toolbox now that I can yeah. use to, to talk to people. Were there, um, were there certain situations that you experienced that put you into that, do you think? Or, yeah, oh, or made you more comfortable? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of, um, lo- lots of things I've, I've had to um, deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not like a, a military background or anything like that. So first of all, I had to carve my niche in, in the industry from, from being, f- because I'm a civilian bodyguard, yeah, mm-hmm. not coming from military, because mm-hmm. everybody thinks, well, we want a military, you know, we want somebody with a military background. They yeah. must know what they're talking about. They've had the training, they've done this, they've done that. Um, now, a lot of the time, especially when I was getting into it, and when I was um, do, doing some of my best best jobs, you know, the best work I was doing, um, people were, were coming around to the idea that they wanted civilian bodyguards instead, because civilian bodyguards are more can think out of the box a little bit more. Yeah, they, they can think around problems. Whereas, um, no disrespect, I've got some some of my best best friends are still in the military, some uh, um, ex military, and I would you know I would trust them with with my well I have done <laughs> mm-hmm. trust them with my life. But um, uh, but but they very kind of like you know uh, you know. Number one, do number one, that leads to number two. Number two leads to number three. Now, mm. if if you do number one, leads to number two, but you can't do what leads to number three, what am I going to do? Oh, no, my God, oh, my God. It's like um, that the film Bugs Life, I think it was, no, is it yeah. Ants or Bugs Life? When the leaf falls on the thing and all the ants are walking along yeah. and the leaf falls down, they go, oh, my God, I'm lost. Because <laughs> they can't. <laughs> They can't figure out how to get around the leaf yeah. to get to the to the next point to join the line again, yeah. um, um, and and a lot of um, military folk are conditioned to to think like that, like process that's driven. What they, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah, because they they have that hierarchy that says, right, you f- follow these orders, you know, and follow this, um, but then you do talk to to a lot of military, and no plan survives first contact, you know, so so you know you make a plan, mm-hmm. um, and then you've got to think on the fly as well, mm-hmm. but. Um, you know, I don't know, six and two threes really. But uh yeah, so I had to I've it was it was a it was a lot of work to carve my niche into into that um into that world. Um but I think I was quite well respected in the end when I came out of it and um I did a lot of good good work, um um and a lot of scary work. Um but like I said, it taught me a, a lot about myself mm. and I know that um I'm only a little fella, but I can I, I, I can go toe to toe with somebody. I'm not talking about I'm a big tough guy. I'm a big fighter or anything. I'm just yeah. talking about that I can. Uh, I'm not scared of a of a confrontation now. Yeah. I'd rather not have a confrontation. Yeah. Because yeah. the essence of being a bodyguard is the complete opposite from being sort of like a like a, like a, 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 an infantryman um, or a uh, or a doorman or something like that. Whereas doormen have to confront the situation for the good of the public. They have mm. to confront that situation, get that out of the way. A bodyguard has that one person or that that those people that 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 team is looking after, or that one person is looking after, and you need a, um, a a yellow streak as wide as a mile because you have to run away. Yeah, a bodyguard has to run away, get them out mm. of there, but has to just make sure he takes that person with him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so you're not standing and confronting the situation. If you've got a team with you, you can let your team stand and confront the situation where you, yeah. you get rid of the. You get rid of the, um, uh, the 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 principal, you know, the person you're looking after. Yeah. Get them out of the way. 
would you would you be able to talk about any of the hair raising situations yeah. that you've been in? Because hmm. that's that's what we. I don't think I ever said. Yeah, I thought that might <laughs> be like, what Shall we go there? Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. Um, Even, yeah, it's yeah. just I guess I it's the lessons you've learned from these situations. Yeah, yeah mm. I don't think I ever. So statute of limitations is over now. I think. Um, I don't think I ever signed anything that said I didn't have to talk yeah. about anything. So, <laughs> um, I once uh, there was there was a there was a job where we had to. Um, it sounds quite innocuous, really, but um, there was there was a a gypsy camp, basically, mm-hmm. gypsy camp, travelers camp, wherever. Uh, I don't know. You might have to bleep stuff out because I might be really un PC or something. Or <laughs> I think that's all right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, <sighs> yeah. So they were they were there, um, and it was it was a, like a permanent camp. It was like permanent camp, concrete, you know, mm-hmm. nice caravans, lovely. Um, uh, dogs running around. Children with snot running down the nose, <laughs> um, and uh, bleep that. Uh, so, so yeah, so so we were there. What we had to do was we had to help uh, one of the electricity companies help their engineers get onto site and actually put key meters <laughs> onto every caravan. Because what the, what wow. the camp had done is um, just tapped into the local um, electricity feed for the industrial estate where they were. Yeah. So that free electricity, basically, wow. and and the police couldn't get in there. The the electricity company, no hope of getting in there. So there was a team of us, team of about two hundred of us, I think, in the wow. in the oh end. But we we were all, we there was there was some of us going to one site, some of us going to another site. Four of us had two electricians to look after each, and we were we had our assigned caravans to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so so we we're all body armored up and ready to go with these. Um, Two, two electricians so we go in we knew the intelligence said right all the men are off to work yeah. so it's just women and children in there off you go so unfortunately um it took longer in there than we we had hoped and the miracle of mobile phones the women had called all their husbands and all their husbands came back and um at, at one point there was me and my team so it was four of us there was two electricians that we had to get out of the of the site and there was roughly 200 men yeah walking towards us with two by fours yeah whatever you know um and and all sorts of um nasty pieces of equipment in their hands and there was four of us had to get these two electricians out but they were shit themselves yeah Yeah. i I still don't know how we managed to get them out no what was was going through your head when you saw that many people coming towards all of you thing was it was just oh balls let's just do it yeah there was no time to get scared really no it it wasn't it wasn't i look back on it and think i remember being scared but i don't think i was i was just like we need to move these people out you know these people just need to we we have to get them out and we have to get ourselves out you know so because the other teams those those teams of four go into each thing but they're done theirs and gone it wasn't up to them to wait for us because it was like every team for themselves, really. Yeah. So we we had we we I think we had the two oldest electricians in <laughs> London, I think, and uh, yeah. So they were doddering around trying to get their glasses on, and <laughs> figure out what was going on. It's like for God's sake, can you bloody hurry up? Was there an escape? Can you was... practice this? <laughs> <laughs> was there like a, a known escape from where you were? You were like, we know we can go that way. Um, the we, we knew that we knew our different routes. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't as easy when we got there. It, mm-hmm. it was never as easy as it is on paper. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's one of the cardinal rules. You know, always have an escape route. Yeah. 
always have an escape plan yeah but uh yeah so that that plan didn't work so but yeah we got out we got out one one of the guys we, we all had we had these hard hats on anyway these like like bump cap things but but one guy did get a, a cut on the back of his head he had to go to hospital get a jab because the the what he got hit was with was covered in something not very pleasant I think. oh god so, yeah yeah bloody hell yeah um yeah, had car chases in Cyprus. That was fun. You were in a car getting chased. Yeah, no, no, I was chasing. Uh, you were chasing. I was. Yeah, we there was there was two cars chasing one car, and we were zipping zipping along the motorways in Cyprus. Wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. Who were you looking Sa- after? Starsky and Hutch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so exciting. Do, uh, did you get like an adrenaline rush on those? Oh, definitely. And is that yeah. the, the adrenaline that you get that obviously carries you through? Oh yeah, like. Yeah, it makes you hyper aware. Mm. Mm. It was, it was, it, that was a lot of fun. The yeah. car chase was a lot of fun. That was a surveillance job. That was a, um, a, a surveillance job that we did, um, and that was my first surveillance job. Uh, but and that was a real kind of like introduction to this is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. most most of it is was um, looking after high value um, individuals mm-hmm. um, in their day to day lives. Um, I, I had a long standing gig with a member of a former uh, a, a foreign royal family yeah arab royal family um and she she asked for me every time she came over to this country wow, and wow. it was just me and her and our driver and maybe two of her ladies in waiting um and i tell you what that that was just lovely because it was it was finest restaurants it was like nice shopping at harrods every day did they it was just easy peasy stuff when people like her come over to the uk do they want to keep it as low-key as possible yeah but surely by having a bodyguard like were you were you dressed in i don't know (laughs) local local or you you were just casually dressed you weren't dressed in all black with shades on and a a gun on your hip kind of (laughs) (laughs) just hiding behind like sneaking or you know you know (laughs) you know you see at the um it was at the funeral wasn't it recently where you saw the bodyguards who had a fake arm yeah. yeah, but it's because yeah, yeah. they had. I guess they've always got a hand on it. Mm. Yeah. guess it comes when you've got royalty or royal yeah. family. It's yeah. like that. But that's that's um, the royal protection squad. That's um, police, and and they're the only bodyguards in this country that's, that are allowed to carry firearms. Really? Oh yeah. wow. Yeah. So in this country, we're not allowed to carry private mm. security. Isn't allowed to carry firearms. No. Uh, or it wasn't when I was doing it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's different now. I don't. I don't think so. But how do you reckon you get to become a, a royal? bodyguard well that's that's police special branch so, oh is it so yeah so you so you're policeman first uh, go right. up, probably go up through um firearms yeah uh, and then and then go go on to selection for that kind mm. of thing yeah but i mean there's yeah you dress for the environment dress for the occasion so for me uh um assisting assisting her in her everyday life um i, I was just it was it was jeans shoes um you know a, a jacket shirt yeah um nothing nothing out of the ordinary mm. you know just i mean i could i could have rocked up like this and uh, and that would have been fine you know yeah. the, the only thing that you would tell that i was a that i was a, a cp or close protection um would probably have been a, a little earpiece in my ear maybe um and that you're but, like bulky and you look like you're ready <laughs> you're ready to defend at any point uh, yeah just some 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 some, some cocaine <laughs> yeah. caucasian man behind an arrow yeah, yeah. really yeah. yeah that kind of gives it away looking about yeah. everywhere yeah. as well yeah we used to me and my mate we used to go up to london on, on our rough time we used to go up and spot the bodyguards really <laughs> like he's one he's one it's usually got a north face jacket on and a pair right. of sand boots yeah and that's right is there a that's lot it. do you reckon there's a lot more in london like to, to the general public you just don't notice it no, but actually it. there would be oh, yeah a lot yeah there. there's people there's they're there all the time all the time going around yeah, yeah. And, it, and it doesn't take much once once you know what you're looking for it does it's, it's easy to spot mm. them. so easy to spot them yeah did you ever yeah. have 
any trouble with clients like that or is it more of the peace of mind for someone like that who is a a member of the royal family is it just peace of mind for them yeah i had i i used to do some little i worked for i was kind of like self-contracting to to one of the agencies i used to self-contract to that did um uh, again high net worth individuals not really famous people but mm. like um like like the sons and daughters of wealthy professionals um and you know they their their son and daughter was going to a nightclub and they wanted somebody to look after them in the nightclub mm. they were awful jobs really really just, that was just so annoying like the the kids were just such pretentious little yeah just really entitled yeah yeah and yeah. they were horrible and you're working for them as well so they're aware of yeah. that and yeah yes yeah and God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, they're, they're awful. They're awful. I think that will swing us on to the next topic about uh, bodyguards against bullying. Oh, okay. So that's cool. a would you say a campaign, a group, a team? Um, we like to call it an initiative. An initiative, yeah. Nice. I don't know what that is really. But, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, bodyguards against bullying. Bab. Um, look him up on Instagram. <laughs> uh, it's it, it was founded by a fella called uh, international bodyguard guy, um, fella called Mason Haynes. Um, operations director is Susie. Susie is awesome. She basically runs it. Mason drops in time to time and goes, you're all doing epic, guys. Yeah. But he knows a load of people. He knows a lot of people in, in the industry, high up people, really, really good, well-connected. Um, and really, we, we just um, spread the word about just, just bullying, um, mm-hmm. domestic violence, mm-hmm. all types of bullying, you know, overt, covert um uh, direct bullying, indirect bullying, all, all the different types of things. We we do practical help for for people. We're really kind of like in our infancy. It, it takes a lot to start an organisation. We want charitable status. We're, we're trying to get that at the moment. Mm. Um, and and we have we have ambassadors all over the world. Uh, um, but it's it uh, um, and, and we just as as ambassadors, we kind of like are a little like. Yeah, come come here, and we can we can point you in the right direction for victim support, for uh, domestic violence support, things like that. A lot of us have had experience of different things as well. A lot of us suffer with our own mental health mm-hmm. as well through different, um, you know, th- through through our jobs, yeah. um, ex-military, CP, whatever it is. Um, some of us have had um, bad relationships where we've had been victims of domestic violence or some kind of coercive be- behavior, things like that, stalking is a big thing as well. Um, so a lot of us have experienced that in a lot of ways. There's, there's bodyguards, there's police, there's um, forces, people in it, there's um, uh, prison service, blue light um, blue light people in there mm-hmm. as well. And we just, we, we, we support people with um, uh, um, resources where they can get help. We've helped, we've helped, um, Pair, we've we've helped mothers get their kids back who have been kidnapped by their partners. You know, it, you hear about these things where 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 it's an inter inter interracial relationship, and the, one of them takes the kids off to their part of the world. Yeah, and it's very difficult to get them back. Mm. We we've helped, we've assisted with that. We've assisted with getting um, uh, um, abused women out of homes and into safe places. Um, and and that kind of thing. And what we want to do is we want to um, uh, form an, an educational arm to our thing as well. Go get into schools, be able to get into schools and talk to kids about bullying. Um, for, first and foremost, bullying. You know, for for children to to realise that it's not acceptable um, and under any circumstances. You know, bullying is is just wrong. Uh, um, 
and it's just about getting that getting the word out um and doing that so we 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 started off with bodyguards against bullying we've got bodybuilders against bullying yeah. we've got bikers against bullying and we've just started boxers against bullying as well or boxing against bullying because a lot of our um uh, cp is to do is connected with the boxing world okay and there's a lot of big connections that we can make in the boxing world to highlight highlight things like that as well highlight the 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 bullying aspect and the violence aspect as well so um coming from our from our core of bodyguards against bullying uh we we we're we're looking at getting regional directors around the country um and then different countries as well so i'm hoping to be the uh regional coordinator for the south or at least the southwest we're we're talking about that very soon um the directors and i are talking about that very soon to do that so um, hopefully I'm going to be taking a lot more active role in it than just putting posts on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> you know, although those, those can help. Yeah. You know, we yeah, have had a lot awareness, of feedback. Right? We've had a Yeah. We've had a lot of people um, contacting the, the, the Bodyguards Against Bullying uh, website um, and, and the Instagram feed and everything about, can you help me with this? Or thank you very much for that post. It's really, it's pointed me in the right direction. I'm now not in that relationship and, yeah. and that kind of thing. So. Um, it's a very positive thing, but it is still very much um, uh, in its infancy, mm-hmm. and and we're just kind of like learning our learning to get the wheels on and sure. moving forward with it. Yeah, it is interesting. I think when you when you think about bullying, I think growing up, bullying in school was something that you know I think maybe not everyone has experienced. I definitely experienced it, and I know other people who did as well. And I think the phrase of bullying definitely felt like it really connected with me as a younger person. And then I think about it now as, as an adult, and you think actually bullying is like the overarching word that everything falls underneath, right? Yes, like exactly, you said. Yeah. So you've got coercive yeah. behavior, you've got domestic violence, and all these other things, but they all kind of fall underneath that. And I never really thought about yeah. that until you just spoke mm. about it now. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's nice that you can kind of raising awareness to all of these different things under mm. one roof. Yeah, it did just start with bullying and then... It, it kind of like organically grew from that yeah so it was it was like hold on what about you know domestic violence what about coercive behavior what what about this what about that what about kidnapping you know yeah uh, witness protection all this kind of thing can we help in some way with this and fortunately we've got some great people in the initiative who can actually make things happen yeah um and, it, and it's just kind of like getting all our ducks in a row to be able to actually be a, a for want of a better phrase, a force for good yep. in, in that mm-hmm. and to actually be able to do something worthwhile. Now we've got, um, I, I know a couple of charities, Swindon-based charities, which help with um, domestic violence, you know, which which support women in domestic violence. Now, um, I know that um, Susie, our, our operations director from uh, BAB, has been in touch with those people mm-hmm. um, to, to see if we can collaborate or help with them or do anything there. Um, Susie as well has another Instagram feed called DV Support, and that's all about domestic violence as well and helping, helping with the. This, um, no, was that Su- no, that's not Susie. That's some, that's the Swindon one. <laughs> Susie is uh, Survivors Checkpoint. That's it. Survivors Checkpoint. She's that's that one. But DV Support is a, is a is a good, really good charity for Swindon. I think in Swindon. Mm. Yeah. Do you think about I'm getting the, muddled up? Sorry. Do you think the the awareness and the way in which men talk about these things is becoming better? because i think that's a good question i think it takes people like you to actually put this you know to put posts out there and Mm. and front it and say you know even if it's a quote about something or being strong or it's about how you can get help by you doing that you're helping someone but without people like you these people wouldn't have anywhere they might not think oh actually by scrolling through instagram they read something that you've posted and think 
shit, I resonate with that. And actually, yeah, I'm going to make an action off the back of it. Yeah. But it takes people like you to actually do that. Mm. So you really are like, you're important to this world <laughs> and the community in that way. Do you think there's been a change in that recently? Do you think we're all becoming more aware of it? Because it is well known that men are really bad at talking about their mental health, yeah, how they feel, mm. the things that are going on in their life. They're just, I don't know, you know, we're all, I think we're all, we all have done it and we all probably still do it. It's like, oh no, I'm fine. Don't worry. Yeah. I'm fine, Josh. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. But inside I'm actually like, dying and i'm not in a good place you know mm. are, are we getting better do you think as a male race in talking about our feelings and is there more that we can do yes and no to the first question and yes definitely to the second question yeah um yes and no in that um i think th there are there are some fellas that will totally open up and be really on board with this whole let it's okay to not be okay mm -hmm. you know talking is good all that kind of thing um, and uh, I've, but then I think there's there's others that was, are still stiff upper lip stoic. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I, I'm a man. I don't need to talk about it. And you you are like chipping away at granite, getting through to those guys. Um, and it's it's a really difficult um, thing to get get through to those men. And the thing is, if if that's ingrained in them, if that's like you know men don't talk, uh, then then you are gonna you you are you've got an uphill struggle mm -hmm. with that. Uh, but I think all, all you have to do is just keep reaching out to these people. Um, I've, I've seen stuff online again, online, social media. That's great. It's great. It's a great thing because you wouldn't know that Bab existed. I mean, Bab wouldn't exist if it wasn't for social media. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of these things wouldn't exist if it wasn't for social media. Um, we'd just be carrying on like we were in the forties and the thirties and, yeah. uh, you know, um, man, go, man goes to work, woman stays at home. Mm. You know, but um, but I think uh, everything still existed. There were still serial killers. There was still domestic violence. There was still um, you know kidnappings and and bullying and everything back in the seventies, eighties, you know, fifties, sixties. It was still all going on. It just wasn't so readily of the information wasn't there, and the, um, you know you, we just didn't know about it. It was behind closed doors a lot more. I think you mm. know. Um, but I think uh, we do still have to keep chipping away at this. Uh, it's not going to be an overnight cure. It's not an overnight success um, with, with this men need to talk about their mental health, uh, especially this, this, the, the, the men talking about their mental health. It's, it's a very, very difficult nut to crack. And yeah. uh, I don't think there's a magic wand to, to make that happen. I think the more um, f we talk about it, the more every man... Mm -hmm. talks about it and says it's okay to not be okay it's yeah. you know um and and they they check on their mates hashtag let's check on a friend it's i made that one up um that <laughs> that is um i think that's the that's that's all we can do at the moment we need to just keep it in the forefront mm. and as much as everybody goes oh not that again oh not men talking about men. Oh, it's okay to cry. Oh, yeah. you know, I'm just going to go and lift weights and sulk in the corner. Yeah, you know, I'm just going to go back in my cave and roll a stone across. Yeah, now, I do that. I've I do that all the time, and I bet you guys do as well. I oh, bet yeah. most yeah, of us yeah. do. Definitely. You know, most most of us still do that whole. Yeah, I'm alright. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Are you sure you're alright? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Are yeah. you sure you're alright? <laughs> you know, it's it's that whole. Um, you need to you need to chip chip away at that. And, and at the risk of upsetting somebody, because you, um, for me, I, I would keep doing that to somebody and I would, I would risk 
them going, would you just f- off and just leave me alone? I would risk that just to make sure they didn't do something silly, mm-hmm. you know, because um, that might sound a bit, that might sound a bit strange, a bit, but I mean, why, why don't you just F off if they tell you to? Because you know, obviously they don't want your help. Yeah, but if they don't want my help, maybe that's a sign that they do need my help. Yeah. Definitely. I don't know. I don't know. And like you say, that that kind of like that, just gentle, gentle putting it online, just gently putting it on your feed or just gently mm-hmm. doing that. It will be would be enough, you know. I don't know. It's also the, I guess, like the the sign of posting stuff on social media more is just. I know for me anyway, personally, it's it's knowing that you're. It's such cliche, but you're not alone. You're not. Yeah, um, yeah. You're not different for just feeling these things. There's other people mm. going through it as well. And I think that I listened to a podcast recently, and it's there's something obviously ingrained and deep there that then life just piles on top and you have these experiences but there's still that core belief there that's causing the issue and it's unpackaging that and finding and discovering the language to actually be able to describe your feelings and emotions that I don't think I know that I don't even still have to I don't have the language in my vocabulary to still describe things but it's picking that apart slowly and still raising awareness and getting down to that so you can pull apart that thing that's at the core and yeah really taking it apart yeah but that's that's a, that's the difficulty in in especially in this country right now because we don't have the people that can help pick that apart we, mm. we don't have those those counselors or those therapists yeah. or anything um they're 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 as stressed out as the rest of us because <laughs> they they're so overworked um and and even to get onto a waiting list for that you know, I've I've been in the past. I um, quite recently, I was I I um when I I was like right, that's it. I need to talk to somebody. I need to get some counselling now. And um, I went through a whole questionnaire online. Uh, then it was a phone call, and then after the phone call, it was like ah, um, I, I I right from from your answers, um, I I I've kind of like deduced. Um, so so your answers suggest to me that. Um, we can't provide the counselling you need. You need this kind of counselling, not that kind of counselling. Now, at the moment, our books are full, <laughs> but give us a call back in six months and mm. see what you can do, and we'll, you know, we'll see if we can fit you in. So, but I mean, I'm sure it was it was very difficult for that person to say that. Yeah. Um, but where does that leave me? Yeah. You know, right now it's like I've just spent an hour on the phone. I've done an hour before that. I did a online questionnaire for you i just spent an hour on the phone answering the questions that i did in the questionnaire and then you tell me my mental health issue isn't suitable for your treatment yeah. or is your treatment not suitable for my mental health issue what and and so, so where do i go now yeah the setback you know? that then puts on you yeah so it's probably already taken you yeah. a lot to yeah. do that and reach out to it that was, person and it then was, it's just another yeah. thing yeah yeah it's exactly it's like Oh right, I've got this. That this. So I'm moving forward because I've got this um, questionnaire that I can answer. I've I've answered this questionnaire. Right, I'm 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 in the I'm yeah. on the way now. You're on, I'm the, on track, the conveyor yeah. belt. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm I'm getting some help. Getting some help, and then bang, rugs taken out from under you. Yeah. And simply because there isn't the resources in this country to be able to do it, there was like if you here's 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 a list of websites you can look at. Sixty pound an hour for that one. Yeah. You know, you know. Um, like like three three sessions for 
60 pound in your fourth month free it's like where where do people get the money from to be like okay if you're rich enough you don't have to have mental health mm -hmm. it shouldn't be like that yeah you know? we spoke we had some guests on uh, last week on the podcast as well called tim and ollie and, and they do um like mental health uh, first aid but within big corporates and stuff and they said about um meant like treat your mental health like your physical health too yeah yeah you know like you, mm. you keep fit and if you have an injury in your your in your body you always try and work around that you try and get better in that way but as soon as your mental health kind of takes a hit you're like you don't treat it as well you, you know you don't oh, take yeah. the right steps to make it to make yourself feel better so yeah, yeah there's definitely different routes in which we can take and there's yeah. more awareness and work that we could be doing and we, we mm. should be doing in the future i i think sorry just just on that i think the um the the the, the first thing you can do for your for your mental health is just give yourself a break Mm. give yourself a break if you're feeling shit excuse me if you if if you if you're having a bad day and you but just just put it down to a bad day don't don't try and analyze why you're having a bad day and just do yourself a favor and the way i cuz i i had a really bad relationship after i came out of my um my my first marriage my, my we divorced in that I, I met this woman and it was just absolute balls it was terrible and that's that gave me I was after that I was diagnosed with PTSD because of the violence that was in the relationship um the the mental abuse everything um after 3 years of that then I just came out in pieces but and then at that time I had no job I had nothing and I couldn't um, ev everything was just like pay for this counseling pay for that counseling pay for that and I was like how am I going to do that I was going to bed not wanting to wake up morning, you know it was just that it was that rubbish I can talk about it now because I've talked, I've spoken about it to, to other people. So it's quite, mm -hmm. it's not easy, still not easy for me to talk about, but I can do it. Um, but what, what I changed, I, I had to change my way of thinking. I had to self start my own treatment because there was no one else there to do it for me. Yeah. Um, so what I, so, so I just, I laid in bed and I thought, right, okay, I can't do anything about that tonight. Wake up in the morning deal with it then okay and i used to tell my subconscious literally tell my subconscious right find me a, find me a solution when i wake up in the morning i'm going to have a solution if i don't i'll just go through tomorrow and then i'll get up the next day i'll go to bed get up the next day and i'll just do my routine get up shower clean my teeth eat some food go to work if i had a job <laughs> and then um you know do do my have my routine watch my tv programs if that's what it was yeah but not not give myself a hard time um, because I can't find a solution. Just know that there's going to be a solution eventually. And I'm still here. So it must have worked. Was it hard getting out of that relationship? It was ridiculously difficult. Yeah. You just because felt it just wasn't right and you had was, to fight your way out kind of thing. It was, it was, it was difficult in the way that I wanted it to work. Right. I was so invested in it or I thought I was. Yeah. That, I would do whatever it took to make that relationship work. And um, it was only when <laughs> it was <laughs> it was only when I realized that she was dating other guys mm -hmm. that I threw my dummies out of the pram for proper. And was like, that's it. I'm, yeah. What am I doing? This is ridiculous. Three years and I've just, you know, so so that was that. But yeah, no, I I didn't want to come out of it because I thought I could make it work. I thought I could fix myself. Because to be what she wanted to be, mm -hmm. but don't flip an egg. If if I got one 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 thing from that relationship was that just be true to you, just be you. 
don't don't change yourself you can co- no. you can compromise and you can um you you can you can be a better version of yourself for that right person but don't change no, don't no. change because that's just a that's just a fool's game you'll you'll end up either resenting that person you've changed for or you'll or, or, or you you will get ill yeah or you will be in danger of something else happening like what happened to me do you think that was a driver that then made you associate yourself better with bodyguards against bullying that was the kind that of that was a long time you... before that that was a long time before that but you have it, a... a lot of stuff resonated with me yeah um and when they approached me i can't remember if no i approached them sorry when i approached them and said i think this is a great idea this is what's happened to me yeah they're like brilliant you're the kind of person we're looking for that's good yeah. and that sort of thing so yeah yeah i think because um yeah from from my experiences i mean i think everything that's happened to me since um since um i actually went out on my own as a bodyguard has made me a better person to what for what i am today mm-hmm. i think i'm a better person now than i was um when i was a bodyguard <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> definitely the final question yep you've been doing push-ups for a long time <laughs> <laughs> tell us about that how many push-ups how many days and, and why and how why? many how many push-ups first of all i just can't stop um <laughs> I don't know how many. In in a day, how many day? Is it twenty a day? Twenty two. Twenty two push ups a day. Twenty two push ups a day for two two thousand two hundred and sixteen days. Didn't even know numbers went that high. It's about. <laughs> I think it's about five something years. Five wow. and a half years, something like that. But um, yeah, only t- started out as a, it's. It was twenty two twenty two days of twenty two push ups to raise awareness of the twenty two American veterans that commit suicide every day mm-hmm. that was back then 2016 2015 it was started back in the states on average 22 uh combat veterans committed suicide every day because of mental health issues yeah um and that's a real that was a real number um it's down to about 20 now i think so in five years it's only dropped two a day it's ridiculous but the the numbers are quite comparable uh, or at the time they were quite comparable between USA and the UK so okay. it was wow. although it was a USA initiative or USA thing started it, it it did trace itself over to the UK um so i saw a friend of mine a body bodyguarding friend of mine doing it um online <clears throat> and i said oh that looks really cool what's that for he told me so i said nominate me because you had to nominate somebody to mm-hmm. do it you had to nominate somebody else each day so yeah. it would just kind of like keep ticking on and you only had to do it for 22 days but I got to 22 days and I was like, oh, is that it? <laughs> so, so I did it for 44 days. Nice. And I thought, oh, geez, is that it? And then at the time I was coming up to 44, I think, my, my, my birthday. Yeah, I was coming up 44, 45. And there's a statistic at, back then in the UK that the biggest killer of men under 45 in the UK is suicide. Because men don't talk. Yeah. And they bottle everything up. Mm-hmm. And... So, so that really, because I was 44 at the time, that really struck home. So I thought, right, I'm going to carry on doing this now. So I started doing 44 push-ups a day. Yeah. Until day 100, um, I thought I'll do it for 100 days, and and that's a challenge. I thought that's a challenge. 44 mm. a day for 100 days. That's a really good challenge. So I got to day 100, and I'm like, oh, can't stop now. <laughs> and um, so I thought, right, I'll do a year. So I did 365 days. Did that and um went to my my daughter's school 
and I did my hundredth day um, in front of the the her year, my my eldest daughter, the um, year whatever it was, GCSE year. I can't remember. It was fifth year in my in my day. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is now. Year ten, eleven, something like that. Or ten or eleven. Yeah. yeah. So um, so there was my daughter in the in the year assembly going. <laughs> and then <laughs> and I'm going, Lily, come on, do some pressure. And she's going, <laughs> um, so yeah, so so there's the games, all the games teachers wanted to have a go at it. So they were all there doing their pressure, nice. and there was me doing a few. And so so we did. I'd had a t- I'd spoke about mental health and stuff, and and especially um, uh, you know, suicide prevention, suicide awareness, things like that. I did a little talk, um, and uh, did that for, it for then. Um, and then a guy from the states asked me if I would do, you're doing 22 push-ups, fantastic. Would you do 30 for strong minds? So it's like a civilian type, 30 push-ups for a day for mental mental health, for, but not connected to the military. Yeah. I said, geez, I'm already doing 22 a day. Can And, you know, I'm already uploading that video every day. I don't want to upload two videos a day. Tell you what, I'll do 52. <laughs> so then for a, for a long time, I did 52 push-ups a day, 30 strong minds, 22 strong and that was that was um, getting a bit. And then I injured my back at work, um, and I went back down to the twenty-two. So then now I'm just doing twenty-two, and that's it. No one can make me do any more. What's nice. the craziest place you've done it? Is oh, there, there stand-up places? <laughs> there isn't, you no. know, like you remember the plank? Uh, it, it, <laughs> is it like that? You know where people started planking on top of stuff? It oh, was a right, trend yeah. that started, and and you, like you, there was a trend, and you've just stayed onto it, and you've committed yeah. to it for years. <laughs> yeah, what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Any stand-up yeah, moments? Don't, don't ask me to do any more than 22 no. push-ups. Like, people are like, like, we do challenges at the gym and they go, you know, uh, they, they say, they put push-ups in it just because they think I like push-ups. And it's like 100 push-ups. I'm like, don't be stupid. Yeah. No, I can do 22. I'm yeah. not doing 23. That's that, yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> any so, stand-up moments? Any stand-up? Um, no, nah, not really. Not really, no. I mean, um, I've done it with, like, like that that 365 day. That that was a that was a nice, nice moment. Yeah. You know, doing it in front of my daughter and 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 her her year but that was that was no big deal i mean in america it's big it's a big thing still in america and there's two guys in america that have done more days consecutive days than i have and they get on the news and wow. they get like like a, a group of 300 people doing push-ups and stuff like very that. american here yeah i used to do it in the middle of the street and stuff and people walk past going and my like whoever i was with would be filming it and going oh for god's yeah, oh, he just <laughs> looking up. at me. The Wish police are coming over. <laughs> yeah, and stuff. And I used to get my girls to video me because they couldn't say no. I'd like, video me. <laughs> and I, oh, for God's sake, Dad, what here? <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, no, it, it's it's just not a big thing here. You know, it's just because we're so I don't know. We're just so like uh, I don't know. Busy yeah. in our worlds. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Thanks so much for coming on, Will. You, you're right. such a great guy, and I'm really yeah. glad we had this conversation. Well, I hope I haven't. Sp- chatted too much nah you and you've yeah you've not even opened your notepad so right let's go on to this it's all real it was was all real talk so there's nothing in there thanks for coming on all right Uh, thank you thank you joss thank you thank you thank you joss see you in the gym guys yeah (laughs) hopefully for a push-up yeah (laughs) or two yeah